This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Welcome back to the Relic Radio Show. Our weekly hour of radio drama begins with American Adventure. We'll hear Men of Iron, their story from February 9th, 1956. After that, it's Bold Venture, and the Bold Venture is stolen... That episode aired November 12th, 1951. The University of North Carolina presents American Adventure. Written by John Ely, directed by John Clayton, American Adventure is produced and recorded by the University of North Carolina Communications Center, Earl Wynn Director. Nobody ever tells the story of Ezra Lee of Connecticut. And that's very strange because New England people talk about their heroes, as they should. But there's a reason they don't talk about Ezra Lee, why most of our history books don't mention his name. It's an acceptable reason. But we're going to mention his name anyway and tell his story. At least that part of his story that concerns the first year of the American Revolution when General Washington was losing battles and losing ground. That concerns a place called Whitehall Stairs in New York Harbor. And a thing, a strange and awkward-looking thing, made of wood and bound with metal, with a tiny window on its side. The thing was drawn up close to the bank, and two miles away lay the British fleet. Lee, you volunteered for this expedition, and if you want to reconsider the danger involved... Yes, General. What is it? I I thought perhaps you might be afraid, and understandably so. Well, I, I'm numb, General. <laughs> Ezra Lee doesn't know what fear is, do you, Lee? Oh, yes. I was afraid once or twice in my life. When? Oh, I remember once my brother said I was afraid to jump off the ridge of Paw's barn in Connecticut. And they were right, too. What did you do? I jumped. Heard you? No. Uh, don't worry about this mission tonight, gentlemen. I aim to do one thing. Take your little boat out there in the harbor, Mr. Bushnell, all the way to the Eagle. And I aim to sink the Eagle with Lord Howe and his 64 guns. And I reckon before I get back, I'll wish I hadn't started. But when I get back, I'll be glad I went. Go over it one more time. Look here, Mr. Bushnell. I've tested this water boat, and I know... Go over the operational procedure again. Now, there, your mind's not going to be clear. There's not enough air to breathe. You get confused. Now, tell me what you do once more. All right. I get inside the water boat through this little hatch in the top. Yes. You close the hatch. Close it down and lock it. Then I pump that handle, and it turns the propeller shaft... And the boat starts moving across the surface of the water. Exactly. Now, to submerge beneath the harbor. I open that water cock with my foot, and water flows into the bottom of the water boat. Then the weight of this water reaches a certain point, and the little boat goes under. All right. Then to move underwater, I pump the handle and the propeller turns, and it goes right along. For how long do you pump? Until I get to the eagle. No, there's one other thing you have to remember or you'll end up at the bottom of the harbor. Get hold of your temper, Mr. Bushnell. <sighs> yes. I worked very hard on this. You must remember to surface the craft at least every 30 minutes, at least that often, in order to open the airport and get fresh air. Yes, sir. I'll remember that. Now to return to the surface, I grab that little pump handle and pump out the water in the tank beneath... Until she's light enough to rise. And when you get to the eagle? I drill a hole in her side with that corkscrew you got sticking out the top of the water boat. Put a pipe in the hole, hang that magazine of powder on that pipe, and set it to go off and then get out of there. You'll have 12 minutes before she blows. Well, with that charge on my tail, I'll be able to move a long ways in 12 minutes. <laughs> Goodbye, Lee. 
Goodbye, sir. You've got four miles out, four miles back. So take your time. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Close the hatch and push me further into the water. Your compass working properly, Ezra? Now let me see. Yes? Yes, it is, I guess. But this phosphorescent wood doesn't light up much. You can't hope for success without the compass. You sound like the voice of doom, Mr. Bushnell. Close the hatch and push me off. <laughs> we'll be waiting for you, Ezra. All right, push him out into the water. Lord of mercy, take it easy out there. You've done busted my shins. All right, give her as big a shove as you can, man. Hey, Lee, does she leak now? Hey, Ezra. Ezra Lee. Get away from this thing, Bush, now. Leave me alone. Good luck. It's up to you. Ezra Lee sat in the tiny waterboat prison, sat in darkness. But through a small window, he could look out, and so he could see the horizon and the clouds lit by moonlight. He pressed his face to the glass as if the view was spectacular and he could not see enough of it. Then abruptly, he sat back, straightened up, composed himself, felt for the pump handle which moved the propeller shaft. So began one August evening in 1776 in a waterboat called the American Turtle, the first submarine attack in the history of the world. How far do you reckon he is? Not far. It won't move fast. Why did you make that waterboat in the shape you did? Oh, it seemed to be better. The pear shape makes it impossible for it to turn over in a current. Or unlikely, at least. Yes, that's true. So I put it together like that. Been working on the idea a long time. General Washington has great hopes for it, but I feel he reached out in desperation for some possible way to hold New York. This idea came along, and he grabbed at it. He says it's a concept of genius. I believe his hopes will be realized tonight. Concept of genius. There's much depending on that young man out there locked in a wood and metal prison, looking in the darkness for a 64-gun British vessel. I wonder what he's thinking. I told you Ezra was a sissy. All this has been. Why, before I was his age, I'd jumped on higher roofs than that. What's the matter, boy? You got up there to the peak of the roof, but you wouldn't jump, would you? Are you afraid, boy? Sure he's afraid. Takes a brave boy to leap off a barn roof. That makes the third time you told us you was going to jump. Third time you've been up on that roof, Ezra. But you never do jump. We come out of the house and stand here waiting, but you don't jump, Ezra. I come up from the field this time to see you jump, Ezra. But you didn't jump. Jump, Lee, jump. Jump, Lee, jump. Oh, what does Mama know about it? I tell you, I've jumped off that roof before. Sure he has. I've seen him. Go on, Ezra. What's the matter, boy? You're not afraid, are you? Go on and jump, Ezra. Jump. Jump, Lee. Jump. Come on and jump, Ezra. Jump. Lee. Jump. Jump, Lee. Jump. Jump, Lee. Jump. Jump. Lee. 
30 minutes out from shore. There was no sound in the water boat except for Ezra Lee's heavy breathing. He knew he had to go to the surface and get oxygen. But he had forgotten how to surface the craft. His mind was dulled. He could not remember. His hand moved to the handle of the water pump, touched it, rested there. But he didn't move the pump handle. Instead, his foot went to the water cock and opened it. And he blinked his eyes as more water flowed into the vessel. He turned off the water cock. The noise worried him. Or perhaps he realized that more water would only take him further down into the Hudson River. He ran a hand over his face. He leaned forward on the small seat that had been provided for him. He wiped his face with his hand. He loosened his shirt collar. He tore at the front of his shirt, but the noise of the cloth tearing startled him. He shook his head erratically. Then, as if forcing himself out of a deep sleep, he sat erect, shook his head, then looked down at the wooden handle. He touched it. He put his huge right hand around it. Then he began to move it and pump the water out of the water. Three minutes later, the surface of New York Harbor was broken as the submarine emerged. Ezra Lee clawed open the air vent. Fresh air surged in. He leaned his head back and breathed deeply. It was always the same, even in the trial runs, always difficult to remember. He would have to come up sooner next time, or one of these times he would not remember. Lee closed the air vent, then with his foot he struck the watercock. And once more, the water boats emerged. British saw him when he broke water. Not likely. Why should they keep careful watch, knowing how helpless we are to do them harm? Don't suppose they'd know what it was, even, even if they did see it. How far out was he? A third of the way of the British fleet. Doesn't seem far to me. I expect it does to Ezra Lee. Yes. Messengers? Yes, sir. When did you ride to General Washington? Tell him Ezra Lee is a third of the way. <laughs> Ezra, I want you to promise me never to go on that barn roof again. Do you hear? Do you hear, Ezra? I don't care what your brothers say. If you had jumped, you might have hurt yourself. I'll talk to your brothers. Now promise me, Ezra. Promise me. Promise me or I'll put you in that pantry until you do. Promise me, do you hear? Out, Lee, out. Out, Lee, out. All right, Ezra. Into the pantry. Come on. In with you. Now, when you promise, you can come out. And not before. Out, Lee, out. Now, you can't open that door from the inside. And you'll stay in there until you promise me, Ezra. Until you promise me you will not come out. Out, Lee. Two-thirds of the way from shore, the first American submarine lay on the surface of New York Harbor. The men aboard the British ship went about their chores and perhaps talked of home. And they talked of women, of course. 
Occasionally, a man might mention the war or the army of this, this revolutionary General Washington. They did not see the American submarine. They did not notice as once more it began to submerge beneath the water. They had no way to know from history or from common sense that there was then below the water a man and a thing that wished them harm. What's the matter with you? What you in the pantry for? Now, come out. Out, Lee. Out. Out, Lee. Out. I don't care if he did go on the barn roof. You shouldn't lock him in that pantry there. Good Lord, woman, what you trying to do to your own son? Make him afraid? Make him, uh, make him scared? A coward? Out, Lee. Out. Out, Lee. Out. Of course I don't want him to jump off a barn roof. He's my son, too. But what other way is there now? Oh, you older boy should be taken out and horsewhipped. You've got him to the place where he has to jump off that barn roof. He has to jump now. Jump, Lee. Jump. Jump, Lee. Jump. Jump, Lee. Jump. Now, boy, just just climb up the side and over the roof, and and when you get to the peak, you call to us so as we can step back out of the way. You older boys, get back. Now, go on, Ezra. you got to jump now. you, you got to find out that you can jump. Jump. All right, now, everybody back. All right, Ezra, we're standing clear. Now, pick your spot on the ground and go limber when you hit. Don't tighten up. Ezra, you got to jump. Can you hear me? Jump, Lee, jump. Ezra, come on, boy. Don't just stand there on the roof. Jump, I tell you. Jump, Lee, jump. Jump, Ezra, Lee, jump. Jump, Lee, jump. Jump, Ezra. Ezra, jump. Jump, Lee, jump. Jump. There, there, boy. It's all right. You did it. You older boy, see, Ezra did it. You're all right, boy. You're all right. You got no need to be afraid anymore. That's what you have to do sometimes, boy. You gotta jump. When you can't overcome your fears, you gotta jump in spite of them. That's what even a really brave man must do sometimes. Jump in spite of them. Jump, Lee. Jump. Jump, Lee. Jump. Jump, Lee. Jump. shore. Under the shadow of the British vessel Eagle lay the submarine and Ezra Lee. Inside the Eagle... What the blazes is that bumping noise? Uh, Collins, wake up, wake up! Uh, What's the matter? Give a listen. Seems like... Seems like something out there. Listen here! Now that's a strange one. What do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. Most likely nothing. Most likely a, a log floated down the river. I think so. Probably a log. Seems like a log would move on down with the current. It does it that. We'd better go on deck and take a look. On deck, look as he would, the sailor could see nothing except the ripples of New York Harbor. So he went below, went back to bed and lay awake thinking of witches on the moors and of strange powers moving under the water, the monsters, and of all such things. While in the American submarine, Ezra Lee continued to work, trying to attach the magazine of powder to the British vessel. He could not see the handle of the corkscrew he was operating from inside the vessel, but it seemed that the corkscrew itself would not penetrate the side of the British ship, and there was not enough oxygen. He breathed deeply. He gasped for air. His mind became a confused muddle of sounds, of thoughts of past days in Connecticut and his youth and his girl. The girl with 
hair the color of flax, but infinitely more beautiful, with a ribbon in it. He should surface the vessel for air. He shouldn't try to go on. It might be they would discover him, of course, but he couldn't breathe. Any man would surface the vessel, even a brave man. But instead, his foot moved slowly to the watercock. He touched it, turned it. And slowly the American submarine began to submerge even further below the surface of the harbor. Ezra Lee had decided to go under the vessel and try to find a better place to attach the magazine on the other side. Almost daylight. Yes, I know. No explosion, no Ezra Lee, no water boat. Not too late. Drowned, most likely. I said he wasn't necessarily dead yet. Brave man, you know, that Ezra Lee. What do you suppose a brave man thinks about when he knows he's near the end? Thinks about saving himself, I guess. Different stories about that. Some say brave men think about their fears. Others say they don't. But keep their mind on the job. Most people probably forget to be afraid. Yes. But when a man can't forget and goes on, that's an accomplishment. To have courage in spite of fear. Why doesn't he come back? Why doesn't he surface? It's it's light enough for us to see him. Hey, Spons. Yes, sir. Ride to General Washington and tell him we failed. No, wait. Not yet. Yes, sir. Call the messenger back. The general had high hopes. Your water boat is down at the bottom, Bushnell. Come along. I'm waiting here. All right. No harm in that. I'll be at headquarters. General. There she lies. What? Well, I don't swear. Still over a mile out. But that's the water boat, all right. And that darn fool must still be riding her. Did you do all right, Ezra? Well, that's a fine boat, Mr. Bushnell. But that British flagship is coated with metal. Metal? I reckon that's what it is. I couldn't bore a hole in her bottom. You got to the ship? Yes, sir. She'd have blown, but I couldn't attach the magazine. With all the dangers, the impossible situations, the one thing we didn't know defeated us. One thing. Now, what's your temper, Mr. Bushnell? Something that could be fixed easily. A different drill, perhaps. It couldn't be too thick a metal on the ships. Well, that's all you need. A new drill. Look, Lee, Ezra. Yes, sir? I have all day to figure out a way to do it, to attach that magazine of powder to the flagship. All day to get ready. Yes, sir. And then tonight. Tonight, Lee. I reckon I know what you want, Mr. Bushnell. Will you do it? I reckon so. I know General Washington will be pleased. Well, I never was one for decorations. Not for just jumping off a barn or something like that. You get that drill problem fixed, Mr. Bushnell... And tonight I'll put myself back out there and attach the magazine to the eagle. That's the story of Ezra Lee and the world's first submarine attack. For a second night, Ezra Lee took his place inside the American underwater boat called the Turtle. And once more, the hatch was clamped down and he was pushed off into the water. Once more, he started out to fight the British fleet, alone. And once more, he failed. This time, because a seaman spotted his strange craft when he surfaced for air. So there's the reason Ezra Lee's name is not listed in the history books. He failed. But we like his story even so. And we feel good about presenting it after these 18 decades of American independence. The story of Ezra Lee of Connecticut, decorated for bravery by General George Washington. A man of honor. American Adventure is written by John Ely, directed by John Clayton, and is produced by the Communications Center of the University of North Carolina. In Man of Iron, Robert Thomas was Ezra Lee. 
American Adventure is recorded in the studios of the Department of Radio, Television, and Motion Pictures on the campus at Chapel Hill. Bold Venture! Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring... Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean Bold Venture again, the magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue. Sailor, can you think of anything else to put in this letter we're sending to our former guest? What have you got so far? Well, let's see. I've got the item about how we've nailed down the hole in the carpet on the third step, and our casualty list is decreasing by leaps and bounds. Well, that ought to titillate them. Have you mentioned the spigots and the shower in 4B? Well, you've been keeping secrets from me, sailor. What do you know about the spigots in 4B that I don't know? Well, I had King change them around. <laughs> that sounds like fun. How come I wasn't invited? Now, when you turn on the spigot that says hot, hot water comes out. If there's any hot water. Who can ask for a squarer deal than that? Shannon! Huh? You say something, sailor? Shannon! What happened to your voice, sailor? You've been taking those dramatic lessons again? Go pour your face in a waffle iron. You're being paged out on the patio. (laughs) Don't pout, sailor. Someday it'll happen to you. Why don't you come right on inside, mister? Don't let the rates on the signs, Kay. We can always work something out. You walked right into it, you naive boy, you. Now that you've shown me your gun, you can have any room in the house. All the other hotels are filled up, huh? You just said something that'll make me chuckle myself to sleep. The keys, Shannon. The keys to the dreamboat bold venture. You're not doing this right, Buster. You're asking for the wrong thing. I'm happy you're making it hard for me. Lucky me. I get to pick your pockets and everything. Dream a dream of a dreamboat that sailed away, Shannon. This bull venture handles like a sweet dream, Paul. Don't fall in love with it, kid. Just dock it. What's the matter? You nervous? Dock the boat. Keep it right where we are, kissing this pier. Careful with the dynamite. Don't be nervous. Not nervous, Al. This is the way I throw myself. Be right back, kid. Bring money. That's all you got to do. Good evening, Chico. Buenas noches, senor. But you have the wrong place, see? Uh Uh-uh. I've been thinking of this place day and night. Oh, senor. What is it you wish? Part of it is this. Inside. You, you, my boy. Again. You, you. Now close the door. Close it. You want this gun to let the air whistle through you. No. Oh, nice. You did that good. What mistake are you making, senor? This is the office of the Tomasino Refining Company. I am but the night watchman. I do not know what... Tell your friends. <laughs> Tell them all about it. Oh, you're not such a big safe at that, are you? Now, let's see you spill your innards out. Oh, Al's going to be happy to see all that money. Looks like I didn't hit that watchman hard enough. Come on, come on. Take it easy. I 
gotta turn this tub around. Did you get... Uh, you wing it? Oh, uh, yeah. Hurts. Hold the wheel. Grab it. Oh. We're okay, Al. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about anything at all. It'll leave a scar where I hit you, Slate. So, now girls will stop on the street and say, who's that interesting fellow with the interesting scar on his forehead? And you know what? I'll tell them. But you can no longer ask them would they care to go for a boat ride, Mr. Slate. Yeah. What are you going to do now that you've run out of bribes, Slate? You've been barred from our better streetcars. Well, let's worry about one thing at a time, huh, sailor? Right now I'm in the mood to shed another tear for a boat I built my life around. I called the lost and found department of the police again, Mr. Slate. Yeah, what they say? They say no boat. Don't call us. We'll call you. They'll find it, Slate. Everyone knows the bold venture. Somebody's bound to. No, I'll get it. I'll get it. Slate Shannon speaking. I shall wait for you on Guanapo Beach, senor. Do not keep me waiting too long. I bubble with secrets of the bold venture. <laughs> I wait. You bring yourself? Yeah, I bring myself. Come on, sailor. Let's go talk to a man who's bubbling with all kinds of things. Senor Shemel? That's right. Who are you? Uh, what about the senorita? You'll never know, amigo. Start saying what you have to say, Chico. A man can catch the croup in this night air. See, si, that is why we shall make it rapid. First, to prove to you my stirring character, all I wish is uh, 50%. 50% of what? Oh, forgive me, I did not explain. I shot at you earlier this evening. You must have used a short, flabby gun, Chico, because... I am not, Chico. I am Senor Malaga, night watchman at the Tomasino refinery. Malaga, to you with the senor in front. Slate, turn your back to the man with the senor in front. Let's get out of here. Now, wait a minute. How'd you know anything about the bull venture, Malaga? To refresh your memory, I will give you several items. Item one, the Tomasino refinery was robbed tonight. A fact which I reported to the police. Well, I give you a hearty slap on the back for citizenship. So what's the bold venture got to do with it? Uh, you know too well the bold venture was used as the method of getaway for the crime I mentioned in item one. You are the man who drove the boat away. I consider this intelligence as item two. I'll bet item three is going to chill you to your quick slate. One man, your friend, blew up the safe. You remained with the boat and sped zoom into the night. So you saw the name of the boat and found out who owned it from the ship's registry and came to me. <laughs> And now you want 50% of what was stolen. See how you are right. Or I will make a return appearance at the police and breathe your name. You're going to breathe it, huh? Inhale deep, Chico. Come on, sailor. We'll take it from here. How do you like the tired world we live in, sailor? Tired. You said it, kid. A loyal, true blue night watchman gets beaten on the head, robbed. And he tried to make friends with the guy he thinks did it to him for a share of the profits. How do you like it? I have to tell you now. Can't you wait until morning? You sleepy? Oh, it shows, huh? Or did you just diagnose that because you once took a course in first aid? <laughs> Go on up to your room, sailor. I'll take care of things down here. Hey... Hey, look at what just walked in. Yeah, I'm looking. How does a girl stay that fresh this time of night? How does she... Go on up to your room, sailor. I promise I'll take care of things down here. You know what? I ain't sleepy no more. Like that I ain't sleepy. Doesn't it sicken you? If I'd known you were coming, I'd have rolled out a doormat. Welcome. Welcome to Shannon's place. I'm Shannon. And I'm Duval. Of Shannon and Duval. I won't break it up, honey. All I want from your boy is my husband's cut of the dough they stole together. 
Oh, that'll be the heist your goom and I pulled at the Tomasino refinery, huh? You own the bold venture? Uh-huh. That would be the heist. I, uh, came to pick up Al's pay envelope. You know how husbands are, honey. They get their pay, they don't come home right away. Ain't it always that way, honey? A skate works her fingers to the bone. Her guy don't appreciate. He makes hanky-panky. You bore me, kid. The dough, Shannon. I want Al's share of the dough. When we were married, we swore community property to each other. You won't live to break up a love like that. Don't go away, doll. You fascinate me. Shannon speaking. Yeah? Well, why don't you just tell me over the phone, LaSalle? Oh. Okay, right away. You two gals go right ahead with the girl talk. I've got a thing with a cop. Hey, you found it, Inspector LaSalle. You found my boat. You are happy, see? Well, you bet I'm happy, see? I was starting to get frantic, see? Do not stop getting that way, Senor Shannon. Well, what are you talking about? Come aboard the boat. I will show you. What's on your mind? Come aboard. All right. Oh, you mean the muddy footprints on deck? I don't mind. Sailors are whiz with a mop and a bucket. Here. Look here. This man lying there. You had trouble with him, huh? Looks like he's hurt. He is dead. Dead? Why? How? Why on my boat? So what is all this? Wait. Senor Malaga. See, si, Inspector? Malaga? Hey, that's the... I said wait. Hey, uh, Malaga, take a good look at this man. I have looked. I have made up my mind. This is the man who robbed the refinery, eh? I should have brained you the first time. Uh, don't do not let him touch me, Inspector! This is Shannon. Or my gun will cripple your intentions. Hey. That is better. Now you are merely under arrest for murder. stars Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall and the second act of our story. Please observe, Miss Duval, how the penal system of Cuba provides for the recreation of our cutthroats. Volleyball. He gets rid of the energy. Why isn't Slate playing? Why is he just sitting there with a bicycle pump? This worries me, too. We will find out. Senor Shannon! Venga aquí! Come here! He looks tired. It's about time you got here, sailor. You don't have to snap at me. What's the matter? Won't the other fellows let you play? Won't let me play. I'm the coach, sailor. We're going to tour, give exhibitions at all the pokies in the Caribbean. Oh, it'll be like old times for you, Inspector LaSalle. Uh, mind if I talk to the man alone? For one minute. And this is against the rules. I only acquiesce because of Senor Shannon's contribution to our athletic program. What'd you find out, sailor? I didn't find out anything. Look, sailor, what did that woman tell you after I left? Nothing. She walked out in back of you. Well, you've got to do something. Find that night watchman, Malaga. Make him say he was mistaken. Make him say he never saw me before. How am I going to do that? Just let him stare at you. It'll make him forget everything he ever knew. I want to learn all over again. <laughs> Stop melting, sailor. Here comes LaSalle. Whatever you're selling, boy, take it down the hall. I'm fresh in or whatever you got. You can take the black crepe down off your door, widow chap, and I brought you a happy, happy. Uh, this is a hallway with a big ear, honey. Why don't we go inside? 
Tell me first, with who do I have the pleasure? Call me Paul, because that's what Al called me. When he died, he whispered my name. Paul. Like that. You try it, honey. You uh, brought his widow Al's gift from beyond? Uh-huh. In the right-hand coat pocket. Well, why do you let a widow stand out in a cold hall? Why don't you take her inside? Come on. All right, the dough, the money, the cash, gimme. Here. Five grand. Al told me he'd knock off at least ten on that job. Did he? Did he now? Well, it was only a comment. A girl can be happy with five thousand and no husband to guide her. Just for that, just because you're so nice, I'll throw in me for nothing. Al should have introduced you to me a long time ago, Marge. So we finally meet when there's finally no Al. Oh, it's a bright day, Paul. It drips with sunshine. That watchman identifies Shannon because I'm cute enough to use Shannon's boat. The watchman shoots Al, points a finger at Shannon. Shannon is held for theft and murder. That leaves me and you alone in all the wide, wide world. Oh, bless that watchman. He might get a good look at Shannon one day and know it wasn't him. You're kidding, Marge. I said bless the watchman. Things like this, you say, over the dead. Yeah. You want to hang this coat up somewhere? Pardon the disposition of my house, senorita. But I did not expect such as you. Don't apologize, Malaga. I like your place. Cozy and homey. Such as you, senorita. Never have I been so close to one such as you. I am not distasteful to you. Distasteful isn't the word. I am happy. You're going to tell the police you made a mistake, aren't you? You didn't see Slate at that robbery. For you... For me. Whatever you... Pardon, senorita. (gasps) Senorita! Malaga, what happened? The knife beats at my heart. The pain... Look, LaSalle, you finally get me in your crummy pokey. I finally get my cell arranged around to suit a man of my tastes and breeding. Why don't you let me enjoy it? Hmm. I will keep you from your cozy cell only a few moments, Shannon. Now, look, don't pull a gun on me. I'll stay and chat with you. You're really lonesome, aren't you, kid? Oh, the gun in my hand is only that I feel nude without it. Policemen have nightmares where he's in a room with a desperate killer and there is no gun in his hands. <laughs> I'm in your nightmares, too, huh, kid? Lucky me. You are decorating my office, Shannon, because Malaga, the watchman who identified you, has been killed dead with a knife. Confess to me who are your hooligan comrades, the hooligans who murder for you while you are in jail, the hooligans who... Let's see now. There's, uh, there's Peppy the Dirk. He's our number one hooligan, and there's Waxy the Finger. They call him that because he always got his finger in his mouth and... Do not make funnies with me, senor. From this window I gaze upon Havana And Havana gazes back and she asks me LaSalle, why do you... You got that nude feeling again, LaSalle Because you just left your gun on your desk And it just leaped into my hand No, don't turn around Tell me what Havana was asking you So I can make a smooth exit, huh? You cannot escape, senor, you cannot I wish you could turn around to watch me, LaSalle (laughs) <laughs> the fool thinks he engineered his own escape <laughs> ah, LaSalle, I pat your clever bald head Here, pat it with your gun, LaSalle I don't understand it, but thanks Get out of here I give you a chance to prove yourself not guilty Take it before I change my stupid mind Tell me again how you escaped from jail, Slate. Oh, I can't. It was too bloody. It'll haunt me always. Go on, tell me. You sure you can take it, kid? I brought my own grain of salt. Uh, by the way, you'd better order some more. I just cleaned us out. You don't believe it, sailor. You don't believe how I held this owl in front of me as a human shield, mowed down three finks who stood in my way. Finks I swore to get. 
scale the prison wall. Those searchlights, those sirens screaming, the Tommy guns typing out my obituary. The other cons cheering me on. Uh, we're out of salt, huh? Order some. I'm your ma, kid. Been with you through thin and the thick. Mostly the thin. So out with it, knucklehead. What really happened? It's like I told you, sailor. Uh, Mr. Slade, a little boy just came to the door. He had a message for you. I took it. A little boy with torn pants. Now, well, you can sew them up later, King. What message? Uh, from a man of the name Paul. This Paul waits for you on Verdugo Key. He say if you want to sit in the fat lap of luxury to bring the bold venture. Who wants to sit anywhere else? Let's go, sailor. I've been waiting to get a fat lap thrown at me. I owe one to LaSalle. Come on, hurry up, sailor. Yeah, I'll give you a hand on the boat. Thanks. I always like to watch a guy hand a girl on to something. Well, if it isn't the man who heisted my boat key, what do you want this time? You were just going over to Verdugo Key to get me. I'm saving you trouble. A uh, point of information. Is your name Paul? Paul. Me and my gun have been reading the papers and wondering about you, Shannon. How come you break out of prison and go right home and the cops never touch you? I remember the boys at Christmas. Uh-uh, that's not why. What'd they do, deputize you to find me? Because you're the only one who knows who to look for, because I once stole your boat to blast a safe. Tell them who I am, sailor. What? Go ahead. Tell them how we got this boat. Well, uh, the lady who owned it wasn't pretty. But she was middle-aged and wealthy. I believe the phrase is, uh, she was a sucker for a con. What's she trying to say, Shannon? She's trying to tell you that you and I can match backgrounds. You want proof? Just that, proof. Well, there's an easy job we can pull tonight. Consuelo's a jewelry shop on the tourist pier. It's a cinch. This time an IG counting money. Okay, Shannon, I'll nurse this boat. This ladder leads to the back of Consuelo's. Bring back money. See you, sailor. Consuela. Oh, Slade Shannon, baby. Why are you walking my shop the back way on tippy-toe? You can come in the front on your flat feet. Do me a favor. Oh, Wait, I, I go call my home, tell him I work late at the store tonight. All I want you to do is scream. Uh, this is a, a new approach from the United States? Please, if you've ever done anything for me in your life, scream. Hmm? All right. Okay, you did fine. I need some money, Consuelo, a lot of money, all you've got in the store. You can throw in some choice diamonds, too. You are in trouble, dear one, to me. Yeah, a lot of trouble. So, here is money, the, the weaker seats, and here, jewelry, the tray. Consuela, I love you. I will also return the merchandise and another one of these. Oh, oh take another diamond. Adios, dear one to me. What'd you bring back, Shannon? Cash box full of money and a tray full of jewelry here. Oh, we get friendlier all the time. We're here to scream, Slate. What did you do to her? When I left her, she was numb. Let's get out of here. Boat's going to give me trouble. What's with you, Shannon? Get her going. I can't start it. You're clever with boats. You do it. Out of the way. No wonder you didn't turn on the... No, you don't, Shannon. I can't hear you. You want it all, Shannon? I'll give it Not all. Just this much. (sighs) Is it all over now? Can we go home? Sure, sailor. First, we dump this guy on LaSalle's doorstep. Then we go wherever you want. 
Hey, Slade. What? Where did you get that diamond ring? What ring? Not the one on your nose. The one you're wearing on your finger. A gift from an admirer. Consuela? Yeah, she uh, she admires me because I'm clean living, upright, and a solid citizen. Bully for you. How'd you get the ring? Like this? Come here. You blame her? No. You have a jewelry shop. You give jewels. Once more, Slade. That makes a dime even I owe you. Take another one. I'm having a special this week. Three for ten. And so our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in Bold Venture. That's it for the Relic Radio Show for this week. You can find more from Bold Venture. I think this is the first time we've heard from American Adventure. But you can find more old-time radio at relicradio.com. Thousands of episodes to listen to, all the other podcasts, and our Shoutcast stream. Lots of free old-time radio brought to you by you. If you'd like to help support this, the shows, the whole endeavor, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Thanks again to everyone who's helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.